0: Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiots. Such a matcha thong wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. It's game Monday Night Raw! This is my It's WrestleRant Radio. What's going on guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for January 31st, 2019. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And to be quite honest with you, I've been waiting all week to do this show. Coming off the weekend that was the Royal Rumble weekend between TakeOver Phoenix, Royal Rumble Raw, SmackDown, as if all of that was not enough, we have plenty of news on several departures from WWE, in addition to the ones that were already rumored a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, with the Revival, Mike and Maria Canellis, which I didn't have a chance to talk about here on the show before, because uh, only the Revival news broke at that point, two weeks ago. But yeah, Mike and Maria apparently put in their notice to want to leave WWE too, as of right now, they have yet to be granted their release, they were on 205 Live this past Tuesday, but they reportedly won out of WWE, in addition to Dolph Ziggler, who, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him right now, Um, he appeared in an interview with Chris Van Vliet over the weekend, saying that he would not be at the Rumble, I'm on hiatus right now at WWE, don't know when I'll be back, I'll be doing comedy stuff in the meantime, and then he shows up in the Royal Rumble on Sunday, in the men's Rumble match in the main event, so... Don't know what's going on with Dolph Ziggler. He wasn't on Raw the next night, so maybe it was merely a one-off before he leaves soon. I'm not exactly sure, but yes, there is more news in terms of people who may be leaving WWE in the coming months, so more on that momentarily. We're going to kick off the show with that, and in addition to my two cents reviews, uh, my ranting thoughts, not really ranting, a lot more positive thoughts than negative, on TakeOver Phoenix from Saturday night and the Royal Rumble from Sunday night. But before we get into any of that, real quick here, if you guys want to check out full episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday, you could do so not only on wrestling.net, but also not only on I should say, but also on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursday mornings, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Well over five years worth of content. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe today, listen to the old episodes, check out the new episodes. We've got great guests on almost every single week. We had the Royal Rumble breakdown last week with previews and predictions and picks. TakeOver and the Royal Rumble with Mr. Marceau, RJ himself. He'll be back on, hopefully, before WrestleMania, before we're there, which, speaking of which, I'm not exactly sure what my WrestleMania status is of is as of right now, but more on that as it unfolds. But, yeah, the Royal Rumble. Last Sunday, Royal Rumble weekend was very newsworthy, to say the least. But before we get into Raw, before we get into SmackDown, TakeOver Royal Rumble. Gotta talk about this. Um, news just broke on Tuesday. First thing Tuesday morning on the five year anniversary, I remember of waking up. I remember waking up in the morning of January 27th, 2014. It was two days removed, or not the 27th, I'm sorry, the 29th. Um, the 27th was the Monday, which, uh, you know, that episode of Raw that night, CM Punk was not on. <clears throat> I remember waking up on January 29th, 2014, to the news that CM Punk had walked out of WWE. I thought it was some hoax report, it was blown out of proportion, he would be back. Well, sure enough, he never came back, and he has yet to come back, and it's been five years. Not to say that Dean Ambrose is CM Punk, um, but there's a lot of similarities between the two. Not the exact same situation, but in terms of how this all went down, it's very interesting and almost scary in some ways, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, But yeah, CM Punk left the WWE, or had walked out on WWE on that week's Raw after an appearance in the Men's Rumble uh, that prior Sunday on the 26th, I believe it was, before walking out on Raw the next night, not on the show itself, but at the Raw taping, and then the news breaking the subsequent Wednesday. Well, Dean Ambrose, exactly five years to the day, we all woke up to the news on Tuesday that Dean Ambrose is reportedly not re-signing with WWE when his contract comes due in April shortly, removed, um, shortly after WrestleMania 35. So, um, a lot of people didn't believe it. They said, oh, you know, seeing is believing. And you know what? Honestly, I understand that. We see so many dumb reports nowadays, even from Dave Meltzer himself, who more often than not, he wouldn't report something if he didn't have any insider knowledge or speculation as to when someone might be back or someone might be leaving. Usually if there's smoke, there's fire. With Dave Meltzer. Some other sources I'm not as keen on, like Ringside News, I've ranted about here on the show before, and how BS they are more often than not. Um, this report did have some credence to it based off how many outlets had confirmed the news. I think Fightful.com had something on it. PW Insider Meltzer himself were all reporting that Dean Ambrose was very unhappy with his position in WWE and wanted out of his contract, or not going to leave, but he wanted to. Um, leave WWE once his contract came due in April of 2019 in just a few short months. So this was being speculated all afternoon long on Tuesday before WWE themselves came out with a statement. They issued this to the media before putting it on their very own website. And I've never seen anything remotely like this Um, in my many years as a wrestling fan. I can't say I've ever seen WWE go out of their way to confirm to people, yes, this person is leaving, yes, their contract is up at this point, and they're not going to be re-signing with us. So this is what the statement had said. It's available right now on WWE.com. It says, Dean Ambrose, in parentheses, uh, Jonathan Good, will not be renewing his contract with WWE when it expires in April. We are grateful and appreciative of all that Dean has given to WWE and our fans. We wish him well and hope that one day Dean will return to WWE." Very unlike WWE to say something like that, usually it's something very short, sweet, and like we wish them in the best of their future endeavors. No such line here. Rather, it was purely WWE saying, yeah, he's not re-signing, which is very bizarre. Ambrose must have made it very clear that he does not want to stick around past April. Because otherwise, why would you out and say, yeah, the guy's not sticking around in a few months? Like, there's still plenty of time between now and then for them to try to negotiate give him a new deal, for him to say yes, for him to change his mind, he must have been absolutely adamant about leaving WWE in a few short months. Reportedly, and again, this is all hearsay for the time being, pure speculation. I mean, not speculation, but all just reports, so take it with a grain of salt for right now. But um, the belief currently among media and wrestling fans and whatnot was that Ambrose was too fed up with his current position in WWE, being fed hokey material, which... Again, if this, any of this rings a bell, it should not. Um, or rather, it should when it comes to former talent and how they were treated within the, under the WWE umbrella and the material they were given to work with and you know how structured the promos were. Ambrose apparently, surprise, surprise, was not a fan of how WWE's uh, promos are so overly scripted and manufactured and just don't feel organic anymore and haven't for a very long time. This is not a newfound problem. This has been going on for several years you know if not well over a decade or so um, but nonetheless um, the report had gone on to say I think from PW insider to sort my sites to cite my sources here I should say um, that he just wanted to take off and that he had no desire to take WWE up on their offer to um, get paid I think well over a million a year for the next five years it was a pretty lucrative deal reportedly but he turned it down his happiness is more important than money and I completely respect that, and I think it's probably for the better, and he's not wrong. It's not like, you know, he was in a position where, and again, it could be worse with Ambrose. It's not like he had come in, and they had done absolutely nothing with the guy. It's not like where, with Adele Rio, who, the guy's a fucking clown, but the guy was brought in with a, a pretty big deal set in stone. It wasn't as big as many people were making it out to be. But when Del Rio returned in the fall of 2015, I think it was, why they even bothered re signing him, I have no clue. The guy was toxic, even at that point. But you know what? I loved his runs in Ring of Honor and in Lucha Underground. I thought he'd be a good fit back in WWE. He wasn't. He was maybe for a cup of coffee, maybe for about a month or so. But beyond that, it was the same old, same old with Alberto Del Rio. And they, again, reportedly brought him in because they had no Latino stars. Kalisto hadn't broken out on his own yet. Andrade had, I don't think, yet signed the WWE. And Sin Cara was a bust, and Rey Mysterio left the company uh, earlier on in 2015. So, by bringing Del Rio back, they had that new, fresh, hot Latino star, except he wasn't. And it was soon after that he was relegated to jobber status. Now, again, Del Rio's a clown. I have never really... I mean, at one point, maybe saw him being a big star, but after they botched his booking in the fall of 2011... He was never again taken seriously as a world-caliber, world-championship-caliber competitor. And um, that whole run from 2015 to 2016 was one giant waste. Yes, he held the United States Championship on two separate occasions. Neither reign was all that memorable. Yes, he was with the League of Nations. Yes, he was involved in some pay-per-view main events. But beyond that, Del Rio was a—he was a waste. They were paying him all this money for really nothing. And, you know, he made... He made the smart decision for all the flaws and, you know, um, criticisms of Del Rio and his on-air persona. He left. He left WWE. He had that one-year out clause, I believe, in September of 2016. And he took off, and he hasn't been back since. Hopefully, we never see Del Rio again in WWE. Speaking of whom, I have not heard of Del Rio, heard anything of Del Rio in quite some time. I know he got fired from Impact about a year ago. (laughs) That was the last I heard of him. But anyway, going back to Dean Ambrose, the point of my story... The bottom line here is that Ambrose is not really interested in the money side. WWE can offer whoever, whatever they want. As long as they're not under contract to another promotion, of course. But they have the money to pay these people more than they are. Ambrose could be getting paid a pretty penny, but he's not content with being fucking content. He's not content just being another guy on the roster, apparently. And to be quite honest, I'm surprised it's taken him this long to realize that. Maybe he wanted to hold out hope. Maybe he wanted to see how his return would shake out when he came back in the summer of 2018 and turned heel. It was this great new thing. And then it just fell flat. And maybe part of that falls on Ambrose. It feels like he hasn't cared for a long time now. The lunatic friendship was just... Atrocious, And I'm not just talking about recently with the vaccination garbage and all the fans are smelly and that was his great motivation for turning heel. I'm talking about, like, even years ago when he was doing the Mitch the Potted plant stuff, which was entertaining maybe for a night or two, but when they dragged it out for months upon months upon months, and the guy was just another, oh, the wacky Dean Ambrose, like, he was so cringeworthy more often than not. It just boggled my mind that he would stand for such stupid material and ambrose really has not been the same guy since i would say since he dropped the wwe championship three years ago um to aj styles back at the backlash pay-per-view in 2016 since then it's just been regular old dean ambrose the guy still gets good reactions someone tried to tell me on twitter the other day that it wouldn't be a big loss for wwe it is I know the guy was not breaking that proverbial glass ceiling, maybe for a few months he did in the summer of 2016 when he became WWE champion, but still, Dean Ambrose is a star. He may not be a superstar, but the guy was a star in WWE. I mean, he still is, and he's with WWE, apparently through the end of April or whenever his contract expires. I don't think they're going to take him off TV, they didn't exactly write him out on Monday's Raw. Um, and I assume he still will be a part of WrestleMania, albeit not a big part of it, but he still will likely be involved in some form or fashion. But uh Ambrose was a star. He was a recognizable name, he was a good hand, and for a long time he was the workhorse of the WWE. I remember a clip from Talking Smack. You can find that on YouTube, I'm sure. It was during the build up to the triple threat of Backlash twenty sixteen, or rather No Mercy that same year. Between Ambrose Styles and Cena. Um, for the WWE Championship. And Ambrose, in order to tease tension with Cena and establish some bad blood between those two, Ambrose went off on Cena on this episode of Talking Smack, talking about how, you know, you're a part timer. I'm the guy that they've relied on night in and night out for years now, ever since the Shield split up. I've been the guy that they call to do this, to do that, to do promotional stuff, to do this, this, that, ba, 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 ba. And he wasn't wrong. He absolutely was not wrong. Ambrose was the guy they relied on um, no matter what. And they counted on him whenever their top guy would go down, whether it was Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. Dean Ambrose always filled that spot. John Cena, he was the guy that they called to fill that spot, be at that show, do that media, do this and that. And he would deliver every single time. Now, granted, Dean Ambrose was never an AJ Styles in the ring, But the guy was competent enough to have a good match, a great promo more often than not, maybe not so much in recent years. But the bottom line being, he was always there. He was a lot like The Miz. The Miz could always be counted on for a quality performance. Night in and night out, Miz has never once had, I mean, he's had heat in WWE for a variety of reasons, probably just because he was annoying at one point, probably still is behind the scenes. Not as much as he once was. He's clearly matured, but... A lot like The Miz, Dean Ambrose was a guy that, you know, when their top stars were out, if top stars left or quit or got hurt, like an a la a CM Punk or a John Cena or a Randy Orton, all those guys, very injury prone, were out a lot and CM Punk even left. But The Miz has always been there. Now, granted, it's a little different than Zack Ryder, who has also always been there, but he's been hurt a few times. He's never been a top-tier talent. Dean Ambrose and The Miz have been consistently for years now. Regardless of where they were on the card, whether it was the tag team scene, the mid-card scene, the main event scene, they always took whatever they were involved in, attempted to make the most of it, and above all else, they were there. They were there to be counted on. Miz is is obviously still there, still doing the best of what he can with what he has. Over on the SmackDown side, he's obviously a very big star. Dean Ambrose was frustrated. He was fed up. He said, I'm fucking done with this shit. I'm leaving. And now he didn't pull a CM Punk and just walk out and didn't see the rest of his contract through. Um, But he is going to do that, which is great. But at the same time, it's, it's disappointing, which is what I tweeted out on Tuesday morning. It's disappointing, but not surprising in the slightest. This guy has been so underutilized. And I saw some people take an exception to that. I didn't say that, but I saw so many people saying, oh, Ambrose was buried. Ambrose was never once buried by WWE. But he has been underutilized. I will absolutely agree with that. And again, maybe part of it falls on Dean Ambrose. Maybe he wasn't motivated enough. Maybe he could have been a better heel or a babyface. Maybe he was just phoning it in. He looked like he was phoning it in during the Seth Rollins match on Monday, which I will say was a great match. It definitely felt like he just did not care. In the Rumble match on Sunday and during Monday's Raw. I said that in a tweet, and then he, it was announced the next day that he was leaving WWE. So... Where there's smoke, there's fire. Again, with a lot of these people, you can just tell if there is still passion in their eyes or not. I don't know them personally, but more often than not, you can just tell whether a departure is on their mind. With Dean Ambrose, it was as clear as day. And the same can be said for Dolph Ziggler. Now, he's still there as of right now. Dolph Ziggler, again, he was doing that interview with Chris Van Vliet that I mentioned earlier. That he's on hiatus from WWE, I don't know what my future holds, we're working some stuff out, it's a handshake agreement, and then he showed up in the fucking Royal Rumble, so again with Dolph Ziggler, I don't know. He's a guy to me that screams content, and he might leave, he might leave sooner rather than later, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, or, you know, assume that I know the guy and that he wants to stay for the money, I don't know, but otherwise, why wouldn't he have left by now? Dean Ambrose, to me, he probably should have left a few years ago, but... He, you know, tried to make the most of what they gave him, whether it was the Shield reunions, being their top babyface on Raw or SmackDown, turning heel, um, and attempted to make the most of it, but that feud with Seth Rollins was really the turning point for me. The guy had so much momentum upon his return late last year, in August of 2018. So many people were clamoring for Dean Ambrose to be back on Raw. And then once he came back, got a great reaction they reunited the S.H.I.E.L.D. soon after, which kind of hindered his momentum a bit, because he wasn't on his own anymore, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. was great, don't get me wrong, but, you know, Dean Ambrose should have been showcased on his own from the get-go, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff was great, because they wanted to reunite the S.H.I.E.L.D., which they didn't really have the chance to do the year prior. Um, I mean, they did reunite the S.H.I.E.L.D., but it was cut short because Ambrose got hurt. And then Reigns got sick, so they probably expediated expedited the process by having Ambrose go heel on Rollins, which... I had read was the plan the entire time. But what I'm trying to say here is that Ambrose had this awesome opportunity to break out into their top heel, be the guy that they count on on the Raw side to be that next big bad guy, and maybe even be set up for a world championship reign coming out of WrestleMania. Be the guy that Roman Reigns first feuds with upon his return to the ring. How great would that be? Roman Reigns makes this heroic recovery from leukemia, and the first person he goes after is the same man who turned on his best friend his other brother, Dean Ambrose, turns on Seth Rollins the same night he announced he was sick. It's such a great story. And they've actually never done a Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose feud. It was the one feud with Ambrose I always wanted to say, along with John Cena, uh, which they had teased at a few different points, and I know Roman and, uh, Roman and Dean did have that one match back at Survivor Series 2015, which honestly was not very good. It was like a 10-minute mediocre match in the main event of Survivor Series when Reigns won clean and that was it. Ambrose was never the same after that either. There have been many points where they dropped the ball on Dean Ambrose. This is far from a uh, new phenomenon. But nonetheless, I don't even know what I was getting at with there. But with Dean Ambrose, oh, what I was saying was that, you know, he could have been that top heel and been the guy that they feuded with uh, Finn Balor and this guy and that guy, Seth Rollins, who has been white hot as a baby face for the last year now. But no, their match at TLC sucked. It was an absolute boar fest. The crowd did not care. It wasn't that good of a match. He became Intercontinental Champion. He dropped the belt a mere month later to Bobby Lashley, who is also not lighting the world on fire right now. And I like the move to put the belt on Bobby, but it was bizarre to me. Why take the belt off of of Ambrose within a month? Well, it's because he's not re-signing with the company. And they have no plans to push him anytime soon. And now the reporter's like, oh, we're going to make you all these promises, and we're going to pay you all this money, and we'll make you a top star. It's like, dude... Don't don't buy into that shit. They do this with everybody. Even Ryback talked about it. When his contract came due back in 2015, before he inevitably walked out in the spring of 2016, um, Ryback was offered a new contract. He said no. They gave him the Intercontinental Championship as an incentive to resign. And as soon as they resign, they leave. Or they get, they, they get the title taken off of them. And then they're going back to being treated the same way that they were before on television. So it's not worth it. If they promise him a big push, maybe he'll become universal champion by the April pay-per-view. And once he re-signs, he'll be back to be in a mid-card and he'll be back in mid-card purgatory by August. And then they can treat him like that until, you know, he until his contract comes due again, then it's just a repetitive cycle. I feel like they've done that with Dolph Ziggler time and time again as well. When it comes to, you know, how they treat these people and like Dolph Ziggler being a prime example, every time you think he's on his way out, He's given a championship. Oh, this is your incentive to re-sign. And then he sticks around. Uh, Dean Ambrose, I don't think that's going to be the case with him. I do think he is indeed on his way out. No, this is not a work. I read a report from Melter this morning saying, in the Observer newsletter, saying that wrestlers even thought this was a work. Just because it was announced on the website doesn't mean it was a work. I know we're all conditioned as wrestling fans to think everything the company does is a work, but they've done this before. This is... Maybe not this exact same situation, but I mentioned Del Rio earlier. Del Rio, a few years ago when he got in that whole um, spat, if you will, good word, with that social media worker backstage, he acted so unprofessionally, and again, maybe justifiably so, because he was called a racist remark, he retaliated, he was subsequently fired. And then the WWE Twitter account went completely out of character, I guess you could say, by saying that Del Rio acted unprofessionally, and he was being fired. And I don't think those tweets were ever taken down. You could probably still find them if you wanted to. They might have been taken down. They might have been deleted. I don't know. But it was bizarre to me. Like, why would they go out of their way to say that Del Rio was fired? For this reason. For being just very unprofessional. I thought that was very weird. I thought that was very strange. Um But it was real. It wasn't a work. Del Rio was gone immediately. And we didn't see him in WWE for another year or so. So, again... Not everything that they put in their website is a fucking work. I don't think this is a work. I don't know why it would be a work. Maybe they want to pull a CM Punk and make him, like, not care on the way out. But after they teased that Nia Jax match on Monday's Raw, to me, I had read something this morning that said, oh, we didn't want to humili- we didn't want to humiliate, uh, humiliate Dean Ambrose on the way out. We didn't know. Maybe it was Vince's idea because he knew that Ambrose wasn't resigning. I don't know. But it certainly seems like they're headed in that direction to do an Ambrose versus Jax match. And I honestly say, I can honestly say with full certainty, with full, uh, you know, uh, whatever, that I just do not care about that match. I do not care about seeing Dean Ambrose versus Jax, Nia Jax. I mean, it might be interesting to see a man versus a woman for the first time in years, but Jeff Jarrett left after losing a woman back in No Mercy 1999. And we didn't see him back in the company until fucking. Royal Rumble on Sunday, and it's been 20 years, so again, um, when it comes to the intergender stuff, I think it's great, but an Ambrose-Nia Jax match doesn't exactly pique my interest on paper. Yes, one of them has a penis, the other one has a vagina, but just because it's man versus woman doesn't mean I want to see it. Nia Jax sucks, and Dean Ambrose at one point was a big deal, so to see him lose to Nia Jax to me would be a joke. Nia Jax sucks. So Dean Ambrose, to lose to her on the way out is not all that flattering of an idea. They said in the statement on their website, oh, we hope he can return at one point. (laughs) I don't think he's going to return anytime soon if he's losing to women on their way out, on his way out of the company. So I wouldn't count on that. Um, What I am interested in, though, I do think that Ambrose is absolutely on his way out. Nothing is guaranteed. He can always change his mind. Something can change between now and then. I don't think there will. Otherwise, they would not have put out their statement. that statement on their website, which I thought was completely odd. So, we know that Ambrose's contract is coming due. We know that he's probably a 95% sure on his way out. What we don't know is what Renee Young's status is right now. We don't know when her contract comes due. We don't know what's going, her through, what's going through her mind. Um, it's not all that often that when a couple is married in WWE, which... Was like a rarity back in the day. But we have way more couples now in WWE than we have ever had before. But usually when one leaves, the other leaves. And the most prominent case in my mind would be CM Punk and AJ Lee. Now, CM Punk walked out in January of 2014. AJ Lee did not retire from the ring from WWE until April of the following year. So 15 months had passed in between Punk leaving and AJ Lee leaving. And they had gotten married in the meantime. Um, so just because one leaves doesn't mean the other leaves immediately after. Obviously she has to wait until her contract expires if she did want to leave to join Dean Ambrose in either in free agency or AEW or whatever. Um, I don't think she's the type of person to just up and walk out. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, but I I would not put it past Renee to leave WWE. I don't think it's a slam dunk that she'll stick around just because, you know, she's been doing this for a while. She's one of their best assets in the company. Granted, she's she's not all that amazing on commentary, but it was worth the shot. And I would keep her on commentary over Jonathan Coachman. Um, But still, Renee Young is still a very valuable asset to that company. They use her in interviews. They use her on commentary. They use her for all this awesome stuff on the WWE Network. Renee Young is awesome. And she has been since she showed up in WWE six years ago. Um that being said, she's obviously very close to Dean Ambrose, her husband. And um there was even a big stink about a year or two ago. Remember when Dean Ambrose got traded to Raw and Renee Young was still on SmackDown? Reportedly Renee Young was not all that happy with the move. That all the, the fact that all these couples got to stay together and that they were the only couple that got split up in the 2017 Superstar Shakeup, that apparently pissed her off and I can't blame her. I thought that was pretty shitty. So, surprise, surprise, soon after, Renee Young can work both shows. It's announced that she gets to do interviewing for both Raw and SmackDown. So, again, I think Ambrose leaving might make a bigger impact than what some might assume when it comes to Renee Young. I do think she's going to leave. Whenever that time comes, I think she has some a decent amount of time left on her deal, from what I've been uh, led to believe. So it may not be anytime soon. But at some point down the road, I can absolutely see Renee Young joining Dean Ambrose wherever he ends up going or just in free agency chilling out at home. Renee Young, it's no secret that she's been offered a lot of different, you know, com, you know, unique and compelling offers over the years from ESPN, this company, that company. You know, she's, she's a great talent. She's a beautiful girl. I could see her going wherever she wants to go if her passion with WWE has died and it's gone and... She doesn't feel like she's a good fit for WWE anymore. I can very well see her getting up and going and joining Dean Ambrose right out the door. Um, and maybe one of the biggest reasons why she didn't leave in the first place a few years ago was because of because of her husband, Dean Ambrose, still being under contract to the company. Renee Young kind of speaks out, not like she doesn't speak out against the company, but she has a way of doing things like subtly saying on social media if she's unhappy about something, whether it be, not being on the same show as Dean Ambrose, whether it's her own show getting canceled, whether it's this or whether it's that, you know, certain things that she's not all that excited about in WWE. She will make it known on commentary or whatever. She will make it abundantly clear that, um, that she's not thrilled. She won't say, Oh, I'm not happy here, but she will be like, eh, was it really necessary to cancel my show? Or like, was it really necessary to cancel talking smack? She's one of their best assets. So for Renee Young to leave would also be a big blow to the roster, a lot like it would be, and it will be when Dean Ambrose leaves too. So for people thinking, oh, you know, Dean Ambrose leaving, it's not that big of a deal, it's a big fucking deal. It's a very big deal. Dean Ambrose, you know, you can't say that he's been buried when the guy's a former WWE champion, three-time Intercontinental champion, former United States champion and tag team champion, and Mr. Money in the Bank. The guy's done a lot in WWE, he's a very accomplished competitor, but all those accomplishments can't buy happiness, they're all kayfabe accomplishments too, they're fucking, it's all a part of the storyline, people, um, which I don't mean to demean wrestling or like talk down about WWE and pro wrestling on the whole or anything like that, I'm not getting into that discussion right now, but it's like, just because he was a former champion doesn't mean they weren't underutilizing him. Dean Ambrose could have been a great heel. He could have been a big star a few years ago, but it seemed like they really watered him down with what they were giving him. Go back and watch his you know, work on the independent scene. Jon Moxley is a far cry from what Dean Ambrose is in WWE, and not in a good way. Dean Ambrose is a very watered-down version of what John Moxley used to be years ago. I have no desire to see John Moxley back on in the indie scene beating the shit out of himself and, and, and putting himself through glass and barbed wire. Those days... Should be behind him. They got him to where he was in WWE, but there's no reason for him to stick around and you know continue to do that now that he's back on in the indies. No thanks. Maybe as a one-off on like a Joey Janela spring break show if he decided to do something like that, but beyond that, um, there's no real reason for um, you know for Dean Ambrose to go back to doing what he was before on in the independent scene as John Moxley. Now that being said. Um, with Ambrose and what his future holds. Could he go to all of the wrestling? Hey, the timing could not work out any more perfectly. They're in Las Vegas for double or nothing in May over uh, Memorial Day weekend. With the contracts expiring, no, he does not have to sit out the rest of the next 90 days. I mean, the next 90 days, he'll be under contract at WWE, and he'll be on Raw, and, and their pay-per-views and whatnot. But he won't be, you know... He, when his contract expires, it's different than... Them, them than them just releasing him. That's a different story. Now, I guess they could release him before his contract expires, and then he will have to set out for the next 90 days. Now, that would be pretty shitty. But as it stands right now, there is a very good chance Dean Ambrose could show up at Double or Nothing, the new All Elite Wrestling Promotions first big show in his native Las Vegas. I could absolutely see that being the case. But um, we'll see how this all shakes out. I think Dean Ambrose leaving is a pretty big blow. The guy, you know, he was underutilized more often than not. Um, He's just not as compelling as he used to be. People had high hopes for him in WWE, and I don't really think he ever reached the heights that people thought he would, but he still did a lot. He was still a big star. He still, you know, made a lot of money for this company, sold a lot of merchandise, and always got great reactions no matter what. That being said, I think it's time for him to go. I think he's one of those people that can remind WWE what they've been missing out on for all these years. Drew McIntyre was in a much worse position a few years ago when he went from being the chosen one to the jobber of uh, midgets when he lost to Hornswoggle as a member of the 3MB. He had a much worse downfall in WWE shortly after 2010-2011. Yet he went out in the independent scene, proved himself as a worthy competitor, reinvented himself, and came back to the company and is now next in line, presumably, for a shot at the Universal Championship, at least at some point in the near future. So who's to say that Dean Ambrose can't do something similar? But I don't think coming back to the company that didn't treat him all that right in the first place is in the cards for him. I feel like he's more of a CM Punk type that isn't happy with how he was used and doesn't really have much of a desire to come back. Now we can't get a full shield reunion without Dean Ambrose. But uh it's you know, it's a new era for more in more ways than one. This company likes to promote, oh, it's a new day in this in this in WWE, we're doing this, we're doing that, blah 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 and we're going to start putting you know more championships on the line and get fresh matchups. Well, we're also going to push people to leave though. We're not going to just push certain people, we're going to push people right out the door. Dean Ambrose has been phoning it in. He's been, he's just been treading water for months now, but this dates back a lot further than just the fall cuz he was a no-name or even well before that when it came to late 2017 um even in 2016, after he lost the WWE Championship, it just felt like he just did not give a shit. He just didn't care. And that goes back two or three, even four years. So Dean Ambrose being unhappy, I would assume, is nothing new. And this just led to him hitting his breaking point. And things boiled over to the point where he just doesn't want to be here anymore. So we'll see what they do with him for the rest of the time that he is in the WWE. I don't think... You know, I don't think they'll bury him on the way out. I mean, he had a great match with Seth Rollins on Monday's Raw. He had an altercation with Triple H. So it's not like he won't get TV time before he leaves in, the, in April. But I do find it weird that the company's outright acknowledging the fact that his contract is coming due. They aren't going to re-sign him. He has no desire to re-sign. And they're just going to let him continue on doing his thing on TV. And unless they incorporate this into an angle. Now, that would be interesting. Because Ambrose did say before Nia Jax's music cut him off on Raw this week... That he's like, oh, and I've been here for a couple of years now. It looked like he was going to drop a pipe bomb and say that he was going to quit or that he was unhappy. I was getting flashbacks to when Kevin Owens did something similar six months ago. And um, that led nowhere, and he came back the very next week. <laughs> so I was expecting Dean Ambrose to do something similar. Thank God that wasn't the case. But him jobbing to Nia Jax is not exactly my idea of a fitting farewell for the Lunatic Fringe. So hopefully they can do something of no with him before he takes off in April. Even if it was a multi-man ladder match for the United for the uh, United States or Intercontinental Championship or WrestleMania. Even that would be tolerable. So we'll see. We'll see what happens to Dean Ambrose in the months remaining on his WWE deal. But it's a big loss nonetheless. Um, on that same subject, I should mention this too, it was also rumored about a week ago at this point, so it's old news, this came out well before the Rumble, that Ronda Rousey might be on her way to WWE shortly after WrestleMania. Now, this is a different story. You know, with Ambrose, his contract was coming due, and they knew he wasn't going to resign, so they said something about it, which was completely unexpected, but, you know, a pleasant surprise nonetheless. With Ronda Rousey, kind of similar situation. The company outright had said that her contract does not expire until 2021, April of 2021, right down to the day they had said. Like, April 10th or whatever it is. So, with Rousey, we know she's not going anywhere for the next two years. She had signed a multi-year deal with WWE. And maybe she has an out clause for after WrestleMania. But I think what people... I think people kind of took the report out of proportion. Kind of blew it out of proportion. Um, I don't think she's going to leave WWE. She might take time off after WrestleMania to start a family. But again, that's like 9 to 10 months that she's out out of commission for. And even then, there's no there's no guarantee she'll be back. Like Maria Canella said, "A baby, she was off TV for a year. Just because you're pregnant for nine months doesn't mean that you're going to be off for exactly nine months. I mean, you have to have the baby, and then you you know, got to take care of it, be on maternity leave, all this other stuff. So it's 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 a big deal. That's a very big deal. Um, with Ronda Rousey wanted to start a family, so. I mean, obviously it's her choice, but why come to WWE for a year if you wanted to start a family ASAP? Why can't you just wait another year or two? I don't know how old she is. She must be in her 30s, obviously, but... And I thought the timing of that was really weird, so... We may very well see Becky Lynch beating Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. I think it'd be dumb to have Ronda Rousey beat Becky, the hottest star in all the entire company right now, only to leave to have a baby for the next year, and then we don't see her until 2020. I think that'd be pretty stupid. So we'll see. We'll see. But I don't think Ronda Rousey is just going to outright leave WWE. But hiatus is a hiatus. And she's been their biggest star now since she showed up in the company initially, almost exactly a year ago of Royal Rumble 2018. For her to take any sort of time off is a big deal because she's been on every Raw for the past eight or nine months. So we'll see how it shakes out with her too. Obviously, it's a different situation compared to Dean Ambrose. But even if she was to take time off for a few months, even, coming out of WrestleMania, that's a big blow to the, not just the women's division, but the entire Raw roster and the company as a whole, because she's been one of their most prominent promoted stars since she showed up in WWE for the first time about a year ago. So hopefully she's not gone. I've been thoroughly enjoying Ronda Rousey's work, and it would be a massive shame just to see her momentum get cut short um, due to a hiatus following WrestleMania 35. And then finally, before I move on to take over Rumble, Raw, and SmackDown, do want to mention this too. Also on the front and on the talk of superstars leaving and taking time off, um, on last night's episode of 205 Live, Hideo took on Hideo Itami had taken on Akira Tozawa, his former tag team partner. They had a good match. Tozawa went over in shocking fashion. I was not expecting that. Itami's been on the receiving end of a renewed push recently. So the fact that he lost was a bit interesting to me. Also coming off the fact that he lost via pinfall of Royal Rumble um, just two days earlier. So that happened. And then he gets pinned again on 205 Live on Tuesday night. And then he got attacked afterward by Arya Daivari. And I'm thinking, okay, do they turn him back? Babyface, what's going on here? And I'm thinking, like, could he be on on his way out as well? Like, why else would they write him out of storylines like that? Come to find out, less than an hour later, Hideo Itami had requested and was subsequently granted, his release from WWE. Now, I don't think it's official yet. I think they plan on granting it very soon. Uh, maybe as soon as, you know, even today. As of Thursday, Friday, this weekend, Monday, whatever. Atami, though, I think is indeed done with WWE. Had his final scheduled appearance on Tuesday. Losing to Tozawa, doing the favors for him on his way out. And that's it. Atami is officially done with WWE, which... I think with him even more so than Ambrose, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. He's been with the company now for about five years. He got signed to NXT in the summer of twenty fourteen. He was a big star right from the get go. Probably the biggest international signing in NXT history up to that point. Their first really, really, really big signing. Um, so he comes in, he became a big star very quickly and was likely destined to become the NXT champion at Beast in the East of July of 2015. Now, I've told this story a million times before. This is old hat at this point, but he got hurt. Finn Balor took his spot and went on to hold that belt for the next year. Maybe that would have been a Tommy had he not gone hurt, so who knows? Um, but with a Tommy, and the fact that You know, um, know, he never really reached his full potential in WWE. He got hurt, and then he came back in the summer of 2016, well over a year later, about 15 months. Now, to be gone for 15 months is a very big deal because that's a lot of lost time. And he came back and seemed to be put in a feud with um, Austin Aries, which was going to be cool. Then he got hurt again, and he was out for another six months. And It's like, this guy can't catch a fucking break. And he came back, went immediately after the WWE NXT Championship, lost that, entered a feud with Cash Sona, which was good, um, turned heel, lost that, and then he left, got promoted to 205 Live, and he lost the match to Aleister Black to a TakeOver Brooklyn 3, which was an amazing match, by the way. If you're looking for best of Tommy matches in WWE, that would certainly lead the list, in my opinion. Um, he went to 205 Live. That, to me, was really his last chance to get over, in terms of, like, okay, not all hope is lost yet, he had that one-off appearance on Raw, teaming with Finn Balor against the B-team. And 205 Live really just didn't do anything. He turned heel shortly after arriving, uh, went after the Cruiserweight Championship, lost to Cedric Alexander, lost again on Sunday's Royal Rumble pay-per-view kickoff show. Um, the guy never once held the belt. He was never going to hold the championship. They just have more people with more buzz around them right now in 205 Live. So why would you go with the Tommy as the champion? And the guy, I mean, ever since he had the GTS banned in the at the onset of 2018, because he legit broke Brian Kendrick's nose with it, he just has not been the same. I mean, he hasn't been the same for years now. Ever really since he came back from his first injury in 2016, he hasn't been the same since then. But you know, it's it's really a shame because the Tommy could have been a big star for them. Who knows how far he would have gone in WWE um, had he stayed the course, but. Let's not forget, he was the part of that Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal back at WrestleMania 31. So back even then, main roster officials had high hopes for him to be a huge international signing and to win all these championships. And just, nothing. Nothing. He had the big appearance on the grandest stage in the mall, albeit thrown out by the fucking Big Show in the match, but an appearance at WrestleMania is an appearance at WrestleMania. And they could have gone with pretty much anybody else in that spot. Kevin Owens... Neville was on his way up to the main roster, Finn Balor was a big star, but no, they went with Hideo Itami, because he's a big star, and he was the guy they should have gone with, and they did, and he impressed, and he was primed to win the NXT Championship, and then he got hurt, so it's not entirely WWE's fault, but banning the GTS, kind of limiting his ceiling, and 205 love, he probably knew, listen, I'm not going to get anywhere above a certain level in this company, a la Neville and Austin Aries, why don't I just leave and go back to Japan? He clearly misses Japan. He wanted to go back there. People have been asking him for years now in interviews. Why don't you just go back to Japan? And it never really seemed like he had an answer for those people because he knew that it made the most sense to go back to Japan. I think he even wrestled a match or two over in Japan just recently. Well, with NXT. I don't know if it was for Noah or another promotion. <clears throat> but maybe wrestling back in Japan gave him the itch again to go back to that independent scene over where he grew up in. Over in Japan. So I'm sure that played a factor too. But again, disappointing but not surprising. I like Tommy, but can't say I'm sad to see him go. Just because he never really... I don't think he won a single piece of gold in WWE. He might have won one tournament leading up to WrestleMania 31. Which earned him the opportunity to compete in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But beyond that, I don't think Tommy ever held a single championship in WWE. Whether it be on 205 Live or NXT Day. So you can't say, oh, he's one of those people that got called up and immediately got buried like The Revival. Yes, The Revival, not really Atami. Because even on 205 Live, that show is also under the jurisdiction of Triple H for the better part of when Tommy was there. So it's not even really like, oh, 205 Live ruined him. He just has not really been putting forth the effort and just he didn't really have that same desire and the fire and the motivation that he did even a few years ago. So if leaving 2 back to Japan reignites that fire, then so be it. Um, That does it for all the departure talk. I spent the entire, essentially the entire episode talking about fucking Ronda Rousey and Dean Ambrose and Adeo Tommy. so excuse me for that. I was not planning on spending so much time talking about those people. (laughs) But um, I thought they were pretty big news stories, even more so than um, this weekend's pay-per-views, which I will review quickly here on the show. I've said pretty much everything I could about the shows and other audio pieces this week here in the channel and hashtag and my reviews on the website, so and on Twitter, I don't want to beat a dead horse with my thoughts on uh, TakeOver and on Royal Rumble, but once again, on uh, you know I'll, I'll give my two cents nonetheless on both shows. Starting with TakeOver on Saturday, NXT TakeOver Phoenix, another very good show, probably one of the weaker TakeOvers in recent memory, not even close to being one of the better TakeOvers um, in a while, but it was still a good show. The opener was excellent, with the War Raiders beating the Undisputed Air to become the NXT Tag Team Champions. That was an awesome fucking match. I was hoping the Undisputed Era would go over. I talked about this with RJ last week. I was hoping Undisputed Era would retain the titles and hold on to them until at least take over Brooklyn 5 where they could drop them to the Street, uh, to the street Profits. Clearly, that's not happening now. The War Raiders, though, a nice consolation prize. I have no problem with them as champions. They're very good. They got a great reaction here. Easily the best showing they've had since arriving in NX Day. Um, this was a fantastic match. We had Matt Riddle finishing off his feud with Cassius Ono in about a 10-minute match. Nothing too special here. I was hoping for something better, honestly. Um, It was still very good, but it was by no means great. They probably were just trying to make the most of the time they were allotted, but Matt Riddle went over, following a spot where Ono almost ate the toe of fucking Matt Riddle. That was disgusting, but uh, that was a great match nonetheless. eh, Not a great match, but a a good match. For the NXT North American Championship. Now, this was a great, if not... Fantastic match um, from Saturday show with the defending champion Ricochet taking on Johnny Gargano. I was absolutely hyped for this going in. It did not cease to deliver. Um, This was an amazing match. Absolutely amazing match. Gargano is on another level right now, and he has been for a long time. He has had matches of the night dating back to even the fucking DIY days. Brooklyn TakeOver, you know, TakeOver Brooklyn 2 in August of 2016 he's been killing it ever since then. Uh, when it comes to Gargano and, you know, and, and Ciampa too, for, to an extent. But Gargano specifically, his matches with Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa, and Alamos. Now, Ricochet, the guy kills it every single time he's in the ring with anybody on a takeover. But anyway, this match was amazing. Gargano did go over. The whole story was that, oh, I need to cheat to win, embrace my inner dark side, and that'll help me become champion. Well, he wasn't wrong, he did go to the dark side, laid out Ricochet on the, you know, on the uh, concrete floor by exposing the ring mat by ringside. Gargano rolls him in the ring, and he won the match. Gargano was the new NXT North American Champion. My new favorite match of 2019. Looking forward to the rematch. Um, hands down. Hopefully, it takes place either at Takeover uh, Brooklyn Five or at some other point between now and then. But the rematch is going to be fire if this first encounter was any indication. Then we had for the NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler beating Bianca Belair. Pretty good match. I've seen better matches with Belair with Kyrie Sane. This is probably Belair's first uh, best match I've ever seen her in, her first TakeOver appearance. Um, she did well for herself. She had a good match here. She's you know had also good matches with Nikki Cross and a few other people. Um, but yeah, I thought she really pushed Baszler to her limit. She pulled some stuff out of her arsenal that we don't ordinarily see, like the 450 Splash. That I don't know if we had seen from Belaira since she, um, competed at WrestleMania, the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, about a year ago. So I thought she looked real good in defeat the here. They really went out of their way to protect her, and I thought they did so effectively. So she lost nothing here, despite her undefeated streak now being broken. And then we arrived to the main event. For the NXD Championship, Tommaso Ciampa defending against Alistair Black. Great match, very good story being told here with Ciampa working over the knee of Alistair Black. Black battling back. Ultimately to no avail. Ciampa, after four or five fairy tale endings, retains the NXT championship. Um, it wasn't the right time to do it to do a title change anyway. Black has already been a former he's a former NXD champion. There was no reason to put the belt back on him here. Um with Ciampa, the guy's been firing in all cylinders for well over six months and now is NXT champion. I'm glad he's stole champion and will continue and, and continue to reign as champion. Hopefully at least until take over Brooklyn Five. And maybe there he drops it to Ricochet or somebody else. But in the meantime, he's been fucking killing it as the top guy on this brand. But um yeah, very good match. Tommaso is still your NXT champion. Overall, a great show. Um by no means You know, one of the best takeovers ever. I thought War Games 2 was better. I thought Chicago 2 was probably just as good, to be honest with you. Um, I think TakeOver Chicago 2, which I was at. You know, New Orleans was way better than this show. Um, Brooklyn 4 was way better than this show. But I thought Chicago might be on the same level as this show. Baszler faced Nikki Cross at TakeOver Chicago 2. It's probably about as good as Baszler and Bel Air. I think this match might have been better, actually. Um, the NXT Championship match on this show was better. We had Black and Lars Sullivan on the last one in Ch- in Chicago, and it was a re- it was a pretty good match, but not as good as Ciampa and Black. Um, I think Ricochet faced Velveteen Dream. That was not as good as Ricochet and Vel- uh, Ricochet and Gargano on this show, but it kind of filled that spot. Um, who else was on that show? The tag title match was every bit as good as the one on this show. The War Raiders undisputed era. The Chicago one was undisputed era in Oni Larkin and Danny Burch. And then the other match was... There was another match on that show. Ricochet, Velveteen, the NXT Tag Team titles, Adam Cole didn't wrestle. I don't know who else it would have been. I know EC3 wasn't in action on that show. Um, Black had faced Lars Sullivan. Oh, Chop and Gargano had an amazing main event. So I would put this on par with TakeOver Chicago too. Definitely not one of their better TakeOvers. Maybe it was among the weaker ones because I've never seen a bad takeover, but this was a great show nonetheless. Then we get to the Royal Rumble as we wind down here for this week's Russell Rant Radio. My two cents on Rumble real quickly. Overall, I thought it was a great show. Um, I wasn't too keen on both of the Rumble matches. I thought last year's Rumble matches were better, although I thought the finishes to this year's Rumble matches were better. Um, you know, Rollins might have been on par with the Nakamura one from last year when I wanted Nakamura to win, and he did. I wanted Rollins to win this year, and he did. The women's one was way better. I thought the women's match last year was better, but the ending this year with Becky Lynch beating, you know, Charlotte Flair and throwing her over the top rope, I thought that was amazing. That was easily the best moment of the night. Unfortunately, they still had three more matches after the women's rumble um, that had to follow it, so the length of the show was completely ridiculous. The fact that this show was... Almost five hours in length, not even counting the kickoff, is fucking inexcusable. For a Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, I can give it a pass. Not so much the Royal Rumble, especially when you have two Rumble matches. It's fine to have two Rumbles. You don't need eight other matches on the fucking show. You didn't need Miz and Shane versus The Bar. You didn't even need Asuka and Becky Lynch. You could have cut out Daniel Ryan and AJ Styles and no one would have cared, because the match was great, but it was very boring. Very well wrestled match, albeit extremely boring. Brock and Finn was fun. Brock going over was no surprise, but I thought it was a good match. Um, I thought they may be setting up for a Balor-Demon thing at WrestleMania, with them taking on Brock again and winning the championship there. Clearly not happening. I guess they could go in that direction, but Rollins and Brock was already announced for WrestleMania, so (laughs) that's not happening. But Brock and Balor was good, though. The Men's Rumble had its moments... I just didn't like it. I, I didn't. I didn't love the match at all. I thought it was a good rumble. But people like Kurt Hawkins being in there, Titus fucking O'Neal, um, No Way Jose, even Shelton Benjamin. I like the guy. But why was he in there? He was in the rumble for 10 minutes. He was in the rumble longer than Aleister Black. That's that, There's something not right there. I like Benjamin. The guy hasn't been on TV in six months. So why would you put him in the rumble? I thought that was very weird, when people like Bray Wyatt could have been in the Rumble. Woken Matt Hardy, Velveteen Dream. I won't complain about the lack of NXT appearances, because we had plenty. We had Pete Dunne, we had Johnny Gargano, we had Alistair Black. That's more than enough. I thought that was amazing. Dolph Ziggler came back. For what reason? I have no fucking clue. The guy sucks. And Jeff Jarrett coming out was cool, too. So, we did have a fair share of surprises, like good surprises, but overall, I thought just it wasn't a great Rumble. They told a few good stories with Mustafa Ali and um, Samoa Joe. I thought that was well done. Andrade going after Rey Mysterio, they lasted a while. Um, Andrade was in there till the final four. Ziggler eliminating Drew McIntyre after their bad blood from last month and the month before that. So they they, they had a few different stories, but not as many as last year. I thought last year's was a better and more compact Royal Rumble match and just much better told on the on the whole. But it was still a good rumble for the men. The women's one was good, too. I love the appearances from the NXT ladies, including Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, Kairi Sane, Candice LeRae. I thought, you know, all the women delivered. And, um, it was just a, it was a good rumble. Early on, I was a bit bored when we had Dana Brooke in there and fucking, like, Alicia Fox and Tamina and all these losers. But once it picked up, once it got to, like, the 15th entrant, it picked up the pace. It was a pretty good match. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought it was a great, uh, Pretty good rumble with an amazing finish. Becky with Becky going over, getting her just due, and punching her ticket to the main event of WrestleMania. Not a main event of WrestleMania where they call it the main event, but they're like fucking fourth down on the card. No, Ronda and Becky is the main event of WrestleMania 35. I don't care what anyone says. That is the main event. Charlotte or no Charlotte? I'm hoping no Charlotte. They teased that on SmackDown. I hope they could do Becky and Charlotte at like Fastlane or Elimination Chamber instead. Doesn't look like that's the case. As of right now, according to Meltzer, Charlotte is still slated to be added to the match come WrestleMania, which I think is a massive mistake if their amazing verbal exchange on Monday's Raw was any indication. But still, um, I think uh, Becky Lynch heading into WrestleMania at all as the number one contender to Ronda Rousey's Raw Women's Championship was the right call, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Real quick, also with the Rumble, Ronda Rousey beat Sasha Banks in a very good match. It wasn't perfect, but it was still very good. Rousey continues her streak of strong matches in WWE. Uh, The Miz and Shane became the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions by beating The Bar. Good match, cool moment with The Miz's dad at ringside. Um, Already mentioned how the Daniel Bryan-AJ Styles match just sucked. Probably the most boring match I've seen AJ in since he came to WWE, and that says a lot, because AJ's worked with Jinder Mahal on multiple occasions. Um, but even those matches were more exciting than what I saw on Sunday from uh, him and Brian, which is kind of sad. But it was a good match for what it was. Brian got help from Eric Rowan, who apparently is Brian's new heavy, which is a cool kind of gimmick. I'm fine with that until Luke Harper comes back. I really never liked the Bludgeon Brothers, so I would like Harper to get his own singles push, but I think the chances of that happening now are just slim to none. Um... What else was I going to say? Oh, it was announced on SmackDown, too, that Brian not only has a new championship belt made out of hemp, so I like the fact that they got rid of the leather, you know, albeit temporarily, but it was it's a cool gimmick for Brian. It's, you know, it's a nice little thing for him to do, but not only does he have a new WWE championship belt now, or title, championship title, I should say. Hopefully Vince McMahon is not listening to me right now. Um, not only does he have a new championship title made out of hemp, He will also be defending the WWE Championship at Elimination Chamber in a six-way match with Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, Mustafa Ali, um, who else is in the match? It's, let me see, I'm sorry. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, and Mustafa Ali. So there's your six right there. Unless I missed somebody, but I don't think I did. Orton, Styles, Bryan, Ali, Joe, Hardy. Yeah, there we go. Um. Yeah. Match should be amazing on paper. Should be absolutely nothing short of spectacular. I'm very much looking forward to it. Don't care who goes over. The match alone will be well worth the price of uh, the WWE network or watching the show. Blah blah blah. But um. Yeah. That's about it. I'm just looking back at my notes from Raw and SmackDown real quick. Raw had that very good match with Rollins and Ambrose. Um. As I had mentioned, we have two matches already official for WrestleMania: Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship, so that should be good. Hawkins and Ryder reunited on Raw this week in a good little match of the revival. They did lose, so Hawkins' streak isn't over yet. I would build to that a little bit more. And you're probably asking yourself, "Oh, what more build can you do?" The guy's been undefeated; he's been losing now for over two years. But you can't just jump into a tag team and have the guy win. They should build it up a little more before they have him finally pick up his first victory, or he can get fired as a loser. Who knows? Um, Elias is a heel again, along with Rusev. Why? I have no fucking clue. I thought that was so stupid. Now, the Elias-Jeff Jarrett segment I thought was good. I enjoyed it. I liked the interaction. I'm glad Jeff Jarrett is back in WWE. I never thought I would see the day. Well, why is Elias feuding with a WWE Hall of Famer and a backstage producer in Road Dog? I fail to see what purpose that's supposed to serve and how it's supposed to get him any more over than he was before. The guy was... Working as a babyface. It's not like a Bobby Roode situation where, oh, you know, not exactly flourishing as a, as a babyface. Let's turn him back heel. They should turn Bobby Roode heel, but they have yet to do so. Um, Elias, he's just a natural heel, but he worked as a babyface too, and they switched him back for God knows what reason. He was still over as a face. I thought that was stupid. Rusev, same thing. Rusev was over as a face. They switched him back to being a heel for God knows what fucking reason. I thought that was so incredibly dumb. And Rusev is no longer the United States champion, so catch this. Rusev beats Nakamura for the United States championship back on Christmas night about a month ago. The following month, five weeks later at the Royal Rumble, we have Rusev losing back the United States championship to Shinsuke Nakamura on the Royal Rumble kickoff show. Two nights after that, R-Truth gets a shot at the championship because he was knocked out of spot number 30 by uh, Nia Jax, so this was their way of rewarding him, apparently. He beat Shinsuke Nakamura in mere minutes to become the new champion. It looked like a bot spot. I have no idea what's going on there. Rusev went out, wanted a shot at the championship. He lost, to in a matter of minutes. I have no idea what's going on with the U.S. championship picture right now. I like R-Truth. He's good, comedic relief, but that championship is a joke, so maybe it's fitting that the title is around the waist of a joke right now. I don't know. But um, I thought that was pretty bizarre and stupid, and I don't know where they're going with it. I honestly could not care less. As long as that championship ends up on Andrade at some point in the next month or so, I can't complain. Um, but we also have three new teams confirmed for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Elimination Chamber match next month. We have the Riot Squad earning their way into the match by beating Natalia and Dana Brooke on Monday's Raw, Nia Jackson Tamina beating. Um, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James to earn their way into the matchup and then on SmackDown Sonya and Mandy earned their way into the matchup by just announcing that they were in it just by simply declaring themselves for the matchup I thought that was kind of stupid like do, do these creative teams watch each other's shows like do they communicate at all why bother doing qualifying matches when people can just declare themselves for the match at least on the SmackDown side talk about opportunities Hey, no one got an opportunity there. They just declare themselves for the match. That's pretty stupid. Um. Anyway, so we have those matches official for Elimination Chamber as well as WrestleMania coming up in a few short months. A lot to talk about, a lot to get excited about right now in WWE. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. You know, obviously, fans of Dean Ambrose and Adeo Tommy and Ronda Rousey are kind of biting their nails right now to see what all those people do and whether they'll leave and... Obviously, Tommy looks like he is wrapping up. Ambrose will officially be done after April. And Ronda Rousey is still a question mark until WrestleMania comes and goes. But it's going to be an interesting story to follow with all those people. In addition to Dolph Ziggler, The Revival, Mike and Maria Canalis, the list goes on and on and on. But I have never seen so many talent want to leave WWE at the same time. To me, that's that's fucking scary. Now, the company has plenty of talent to rely on from NXT and the main roster. But still, they shouldn't have to. They should not get it to the point where people want to leave what's supposed to be the biggest and best wrestling company in the world, which it's not. Biggest, yes. Best, eh, that's debatable, at least on the main roster anyway. But regardless, people, we are talking all about the latest developments in the world of WWE and beyond next Thursday right here on WrestleRant Radio. In the meantime, and in between time, find me on the social medias on Twitter by following me at WrestleRant on Facebook at facebook.com. Backslash Graham. GSM. Matthews and on YouTube as well, YouTube.com. Backslash C. Backslash Graham GSM Matthews. For all new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio, be sure to check out not only the website next to wrestling.net, but iTunes as well. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Again, new episodes every single Thursday and also every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. It is now easier than ever to check out and binge WrestleRant Radio. So, what the hell are you waiting for? Subscribe today. With all that being said, guys, have an awesome rest of your week. Thank you for supporting the show as always and checking out this episode. We'll catch you right back here next Thursday. I'm Graham G. S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass on the road.